spoiler warning for Marvel's Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 5 in this episode. Hi, welcome to the Perfectly Balanced Podcast. I'm Mitch, and joining me today is Anthony. Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, which is the proper English. Oh, thanks. Yeah, what was that joke from 30 Rock Superman? No, you're doing well, Superman does good. <laughs> I did not watch 30 Rock yet. Yeah, after that riveting intro. Yeah, we're off to a banging <laughs> start tonight. Yeah, you can tell you can tell that the energy is flagging compared to some of these previous casts, but uh we'll we'll get there because there's going to be some dissension tonight. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're going to we're going to come out swinging, I think, uh in more ways than one. Hey, hey. We're going to we're going to talk about some uh some games that have been coming out recently. Mostly games. We're going to talk we're going to do our contractually obligated duty uh to talk about the Marvels, but that'll be at the end of the cast instead of the front. So if you're sick about of hearing us talk about Marvel, it's at the end. Don't worry about it. And it's just a coincidence that we decided to record right after a Marvel movie came out. It was not the impetus for the the podcast, as it usually is. Yeah, unlike some other podcasts where we specifically plan it around. See, the next Marvel movie is in like 2024, so we're going to have to start like late 2024. So we're going to have to start planning different ways to get together. Yeah, I thought I thought it was July, right? Mid 2024 then. I I don't really know. I haven't really been paying attention. I know, like it, I the release dates are going to be in flux for a while, so I don't even pay attention to them until like a trailer comes out. Yeah, exactly. It's like some stuff they've been promoting for so long. It's like that Mass Effect game that uh, they've been promoting for years and apparently it isn't coming out till 2029. It's just like tell me when it's like 3 months away, then I'll pay attention to it. I think we might have talked about this before. I just have no use for like previews or anything pre the game coming out like show me a trailer okay i'm interested and then i'll read the review when it comes out but until that moment i just don't like care about the details of the game you know what i mean like there's people who like absorb all the details and they they know the names of all the characters before it even comes out and this and that and i'm just like i don't have time for this shit anymore i always love the pre-release cycle for especially for open world games where they like dedicate videos to each like separate system it's just like this is our open world and look you can see how our birds will fly in specific directions depending on the time of day and it's just like that's fine i'm sure i won't notice it when the game comes out but you got to spend your marketing budget somewhere yep you got to do something with that money those people need jobs Yep, exactly. Or they'll be replaced by AI soon. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, we're going to start today's topics with uh, Marvel Insomniac's Marvel's Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 5. Uh, that came out just over a month ago. So I got a PlayStation 5 specifically for this game. All right, well, in point of fact, my fiance got me a PlayStation 5 specifically for this game. She went out and she got me the limited uh, edition Spider-Man version, which is like red with the black symbiote tendrils. Oh, that's down. cool. It's got the yeah. spider logo on it. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. How does she feel that you found the game to be disappointing? So actually, it's it's kind of funny because I played the game for a few days and then I came out to the the living room and, and she was like, did you finish it? I'm like, yeah. She's like, that was kind of short. And I'm like, yeah, it felt it felt a little short. And I 100 percented it, too. Like, I didn't I didn't just go through the story. I 100 percented the whole thing. Yeah, I did, too. And um, honestly, it's one of those games that where like I loved it. I, I thought it was great. But um was ready for it to be done and i also wanted to keep playing it it's, it's like a weird thing like like okay i'm ready for this to be done because i know because like it, it gives it does a great job of tracking everything you have to do to 100 percent it which i also did and so i was like doing the things to 100 percent it and i was like okay i'm about ready for this to be over but then when it was over i just sort of swung around the city for a little bit like i wish there was something more to do and but i'm okay with it because everything that i had to do in the game for the most part was really high quality i thought like, even the side missions, they gave you, like, bits of story and character, and the, the side missions that felt like they were just the typical, like, do a mini game or chase a drone kind of thing eventually led somewhere 
you know, it wasn't just collect all these things for no reason. I was okay with the kind of briefness of the game. I think that you can probably 100% the whole thing in like less than 25 hours. I don't know. I just, I, I get what you mean. I was left wanting more, but also I was sort of okay with it. Let, let me let me pre- preface kind of what I'm going to say about this game with like I didn't I didn't I like the game I didn't love it like the first Spider-Man game I loved um, from 2018 I love that game this game I mostly enjoyed it I had a lot of issues with it that kind of like hampered my enjoyment length notwithstanding I think like it definitely felt pretty brief but kind of like you I was kind of ready for it to be over and also I wanted more stuff to do but I didn't just want to like do crimes endlessly which is pr- uh, why the first game took forever. I did a lot of crimes in the first game, and I think I did like maybe five in this game. I just didn't mess with them. Yeah, I did. I did a few until I realized that they weren't essential for anything, and then I stopped doing them. But yeah, like I thought this game, like obviously this game is like technically super impressive. You know, fast travel is wizardry. The fact that you can just like point to a place on the map and you just appear there in seconds. Like apparently they had to add a loading bar because it was weirding people out during playtests. Like the fast travel could have been even faster. It was too fast. You hold the button down for like like I think a second or two, and then it will do the fast travel. And if they did it, made it instant, then they said it was just too fast. And you could, you, I could see how you would accidentally hit the button and like all of a sudden your ass is all over the city and you weren't intending it. Like Spider-Man was here and then he's there. Like people, people in New York panicking. I know. It's like they added web wings and then they gave you teleportation. <laughs> oh, the web wings, the web wings are so good. Yeah. The web wings are, are a ton of fun. I actually spent, it's weird. I spent most of the game using the web wings. I, I like swinging was the minority for me. I definitely spent most of the game like just gliding around. That was super fun to do. Yeah, like I really like the the wind tunnels that just sort of speed you along. Like that, like Spider Man historically doesn't fly, but they basically made it where he can fly, and it just I don't know, it just really made the whole game like I, I barely used the fast travel just because going through the city was so enjoyable. And which it always it wasn't the last game, but it was even more enjoyable this time. Yeah, I only use the fast travel to collect the the spider drones. Like I looked up a list of where they were, and I would just fast travel to their approximate location. Uh, that's really the only time I use fast travel. It's, it, the web wings in this game. Yeah, they're they're pretty much flying. Like it's not like Arkham Knight where you could glide for a little bit and you would start dropping pretty fast unless you found new grapple points. This is just like if you find like a roof vent or you can use like a web yank and you can pretty much carry yourself across the entire city. I didn't do the trophy to get all the way from the financial district to Queens with only web wings, but I'm I'm sure it's entirely possible. Oh, see, that's the one thing I didn't do. I didn't try to do the little um, tricks and stuff to get trophies. Um, I just 100% of the content of the game, so I. I'm sorry I lied and not fully 100% the game. I don't consider the trophies 100%. But yeah, I, I may go back if I ever, if I get the urge uh, to, and do some of that stuff because it would be kind of fun and sort of a challenge or whatever. But yeah, like that, that kind of stuff can be pretty neat. When they release New Game Plus, I want to go back and do that with all the suits and abilities I unlocked in the early game. Like, because some of the some of the suits are pretty neat, especially like the classic symbiote suit. Like, I unlocked that pretty late in the game just because of where that is on the unlocked path. Uh, and I use the white version for the anti venom suit. Oh, by the way, we're talking full spoilers for Marvel Spider Man. I guess that should go without saying. Uh, but yeah, I use the the classic white version for anti venom, and that was cool. I like that suit. There was a lot of suits that like um I I ended up I think with the finishing with like the the black and gold suit or whatever just because it was kind of like you finished the game so this is this you know this is like my spider-man suit now but um but yeah i used a bunch of the i didn't go with the look I, I mentioned this in a tweet and i think we briefly talked about it in our like any spider-man suit and this is i feel sorry for miles because he gets a lot of these with like extra clothing like a hood a hoodie a cap anything anything like extra that's like clothes on top of the suit is automatically a bad Shoes. suit yeah, it's just what are we like a jacket? Like the you know the famous like was the, I think Scarlet Spider or Ben Riley always had a jacket or something like that. 
He had a sweater with cut-off sleeves. Yeah, just, we don't, we don't need any of that. Like, that's just, what are we doing? It's like when Batman's wearing, like, the, the duster over his, like, Batman suit, <laughs> you know? Or, or was it Megatron was wearing a, a cloak over him in, in Transformers or some shit like that? Do you remember that trailer for Halo 5 where Master Chief was wearing a giant, like, cloak as well? It's kind of similar effect, yeah. Just like a guy in an armored suit wearing a cloak. Yeah, it's like, what is happening here? That That's only cool in Destiny. You need to start there. You can't add that in partway through, because then it looks weird. I guess I'll talk about, like, the stuff that I didn't quite like about the game, just so Anthony can, you know, come in with facts and logic and uh, destroy me. You know, liberal destroyed type of thing. Like, number one, I think this, the narratively, I think this game was weaker than the last game. I think the last game took a lot of, like, known Spider-Man story points and remixed them in smart ways. This game specifically felt like a lot of stuff that I had seen before. Um, you know, like, Harry needs something from Spider-Man because he's sick, which is, like you know the amazing spider-man movie and then venom takes over the city and makes everyone symbiotes which is from like a bunch of different stuff it didn't do too much to kind of like differentiate itself from spider-man stuff that we've seen before which i felt like the last game tried to do a fresher take on the character because like this character's been around forever right like there's been a bunch of permutations on the story so i felt like they didn't really try to think outside the spider-man box on this one it was but it was it kind of felt like a lot of stuff we've seen before you know gameplay wise i also think that was a step back i didn't really like the fact that peter and miles share the same gadgets and the, like they, there's a reduced number of gadgets like a lot of the gadgets from the first game are gone and peter and miles share the same gadgets so they end up feeling pretty similar combat wise and like giving peter those mechanical arms like i'm not gonna get too fussed about that like obviously they got to differentiate it from the games and it's not like peter hasn't had mechanical arms in the past i don't know i just didn't think it really fit in with this character especially like where do they even come out of on, on his base costume they're these like giant eight foot long arms and they just come out of nowhere on his back that that's a very minor nitpick i thought that the boss battles like some of them were good some of them were really you know interesting uh, but i also thought that was a step back from the first game because they kind of lock you into an arena with each boss and every boss is set up exactly the same you're locked into a tiny arena with a boss you either dodge or parry them until you can hit them back and in the first game you know like specifically the fight against electro and vulture you could swing around that it was a bigger area it wasn't the whole city but it was a bigger area and you could swing around and you were fighting two of them at the same time. And you definitely made more use of, you know, being Spider-Man in terms of like web swinging and stuff like that instead of just like, you know, basically having a Mortal Kombat fight with someone, right? Like the last fight with Venom, again, spoilers, he grows wings, but you fight him in like a Smash Brothers arena and then the Emily May Foundation. And they don't really make use of the fact like Peter and Miles could have been chasing him through the city while he's flying and trying to catch up with him and stuff like that. So yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of kind of a step backwards. I mean, stealth also took a big hit in this game. Like stealth used to be a very important part. Like you would you would go around, you'd pick people off before you entered combat because like you're way more powerful in this game. So you can just jump into combat without worrying about it. And like in the previous game, stealth used to be like pretty essential part of your kit. You would try and get as many people as possible before you went in for a fight. And now stealth is number one super easy number two you don't have to do it so it kind of felt like that was they mostly just kept it in there because it was in the previous game they didn't try to evolve it really all they did was add the web line which is part of what makes it super easy yes but i kind of like i don't know i like i appreciated it i liked it because um it sort of fits with where spider-man is in terms of like he's more powerful now and allowing you to sort of create your own web lines and everything like it made it easier but it made it to me fun and less frustrating 
Yeah, it's, it's it's totally like an optional thing, but it's just like it's just it. That's something I enjoyed in the first game that they really took away from in the second game. So I definitely noticed it. The uh, the thing with the gadgets is, um, I don't mind them using the the same gadgets, and I thought their their powers because you know you can select their different their sort of two different trees and then change their abilities. So I thought that they were still differentiated enough in terms of their combat abilities, and I, so I didn't mind the gadgets being the same because even with that, like the combat options are sometimes overwhelming. Um, you know, you would as you unlock new abilities, you would sort of forget about old ones, or you'd unlock a new one and not use it for a long time. Like I did not for the longest time. Whenever this is just how I would do it is I would hold down the triangle button, and that's the one where he would. I think he shoots out a web and it brings the guy to him in the air. And I did not ever until like mid to late game ever just tap the triangle button, which sends Spider-Man to the guy, I think, right? Yeah, so I sort of didn't... I would always just hold it down, because that's what I got used to doing by the end of the first game. So I just reverted back to that. And so I didn't even use that option until the end. So there was just so much to use that there's probably tons of things that I just never even bothered doing, because I just used what worked for me. The gadgets was one of them. Like, I had to sort of force myself to start using the gadgets. And then when I, I did, I started using them quite a bit. But it didn't... I was okay with it. I, I think it would have made maybe more sense if only Peter had the gadget. Like that would help differentiate them. Like Miles is the is the special power Spider Man, you know, where he can basically, you know, turn into a bolt of lightning and then Peter is the gadget Spider Man. I don't know, that might have helped. What is the deal with Miles? Is this a video game thing that Miles' powers are called Venom powers, or is that like in the comics too? No, that's that's from the comics. Okay, what the fuck were they thinking? Why? Why? They already have something called Venom. It's very popular and well known. Pretty sure there's like a million other things they could have called it other than Venom powers. Yes, I could probably go on the Wikipedia of a spider right now and find something that works better. You know what? I've never heard of spiders conducting electricity, but maybe they do. I don't I don't know. Look, my first exposure to Miles was the movie, the the Into the Spider-Verse and this the first Spider-Man game because I had stopped reading comics by then. And I always heard about him, but I never really, you know, had that experience reading or seeing a story with him until then. So I like him, but his powers, the first time I heard him, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is just some, this is not, this is, this is not Spider-Man, you know, but now it's like, whatever, it's fine. But when you first see it, you're just like, I, I guess they had to do something to differentiate him, which is fine. But the first time I was like, invi well, invisibility is fine. But like the electricity thing, spiders don't do electricity. <laughs> so anyways, nitpicking. But anyways, he's always great as a character. He's really likable in this uh, in this game too. The voice acting across the board is fantastic. It, it's kind of, yeah, Miles in this game is interesting. Like he's he's half the game, right? You know, you're Peter for 50%, you're Miles for 50%. Uh, and where the game leaves off is that, that Miles is taking over for Peter because Peter is going to actually, you know, take a break and focus on Peter for a while. He's going to retire. I believe in... I believe Insomniac has also said when the next game starts, Miles will be the main Spider-Man. Although, obviously, you know, Peter's going to come back for some part of it. Yeah, Peter's got to come back. And a lot of people are not happy with that, but it's just like I asked those people if they actually played the game and, you know, specifically the part where they have the flashback where Aunt May teaches him about balance. I'm like, they were setting this up from the beginning. Like, it's your fault if you didn't pay attention. A lot of it is just a typical, like, that's my Spider-Man and I want him to be the one all the time. There's a part of that I do understand because Peter Parker is my Spider-Man, but at the same time, this story makes sense. And Miles is, like I said, 
he's great and enjoyable and it's not like Peter's ever going to just completely disappear you'll unless the next game ends with him dying or something like that in which case go back and play the first two games like you know like it's okay for things to change and be different yeah and if if Peter is Spider-Man forever then you basically get what's been happening in Marvel Comics the last few years where they are just treating him like you know their whipping boy and the current storylines have been awful the funny thing about miles is like you know he's a big part of the game when it comes to his fight with venom and like they try to have a big personal confrontation at the end and i'm like dude you you and harry have said like two sentences to each other this entire game like you've barely interacted and they're trying to make it like this big emotional moment where like harry's like you know you're stealing peter from me and all this stuff and i'm like you guys barely talked this entire game i don't really believe this conflict yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a stretch. Miles was much better when they were trying to make it about Martin Lee and everything, and they, they wrapped and resolved that up pretty well. Trying to get that Venom connection, even though his powers are named, you know, hey, you know, my powers are named after you. What? Fuck you. Okay, that's it better than what they ever did. You know? But yeah, so I, they just didn't need to do that. They, you could see where they tried to stretch. Like, even at the end, where, like, Norman all of a sudden is just like, fuck the Spider-Man, I'm gonna kill the Spider-Man. It seemed like a bit of a jump, like, he knew Harry was Venom, he knew Harry was doing this to the city, and the Spider-Man stopped him, and they clearly did not kill him, so why are you so mad? Yeah, like, you saw your son turn into a giant goop monster in front of you. Yeah, this is, like, one of those things where, like, because the timeline demands that he be mad, because that's what always happens, you know? Like, this is one of those, like, pivot points in history where he always has to get mad at the Spider-Man. Yeah, he he needs to turn into the Green Goblin for the third game. So you gotta you gotta get that G serum, you know. Yep, give me that G serum. And there was a moment where I like, cause I just forgot. I'm like G serum. I'm like what the fuck is that? Oh, oh, that's right, the Green Goblin. And it was weird because like they had done uh, an interesting thing with uh, Norman, where he just obviously obsessive, but he didn't seem evil. You know what I mean? Like he seemed like a pretty decent guy. He was very, you know, like affectionate towards Peter and everything like that and to the two of them together it was just too much of a turn you know what I mean yeah it was like definitely felt like they were you know ham-fisting it a bit to kind of get it where they wanted it to go yeah they were forcing it yeah yeah it didn't didn't quite feel natural like like in the first game Octavius's transformation to Dr. Octopus was very well done and this is kind of just like well we need to have Green Goblin in the third game so now he now he angie you know yeah, I understand that, like, what did he say at the end in the post-credits? He said he's, like, the final chapter or something like that, which I guess is a story arc. I, I googled it, and it, it was. I didn't under quite understand what it all was because I didn't want to read about it, but apparently that's... Like, if you've read the comics, you'll be like, <gasps> the final chapter. You know, like, there's a lot There's 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 a lot of things like that, I think, in, the, in this game, and also just in, in general in the Marvel stuff these days where, like, you never hear, this is a digression, but, like, I haven't watched Loki yet, but I've already heard plenty about the God of Stories or something like that. Oh, yeah, that, I, I did watch Loki. That flew completely over my head. Then I started reading that afterwards. I'm like, oh, it, it's a comic thing. It's not. Yeah, and I think I read that it's not even, like, mentioned in the show, but everyone's just saying it because the comic nerds have, have it's just one of those things, like, I don't know, like, the comic part is permeating into the thing, but they don't actually say it in the, the show, but everyone like knows about it or something. I don't know. It's one of those like meta canon nerd things that if you're not into it, you're just like, okay, well, hope this is cool. Anyways, back to Spider-Man. I really loved the game from beginning to end. I don't really disagree. Uh, like, well, I mean, I disagree, but I can see your points, but they did not hamper it for me in any way. The one thing I think the Mary Jane stealth missions were much easier this time, and I appreciated that because I didn't really 
Nobody really cares for them, it seems. The funniest thing is, they made Mary Jane into, like, a badass. Like, she was fucking people up with that taser, and then she gets the, the spider gun thing that webs them up and stuff like that. I was just wrecking fools. I'm like, man, just have Mary Jane just go fucking take care of Venom. This won't take any time at all. Yeah, she, like, took, like, you know, Silver Sable's at-home defense class, and suddenly she's, like, a fucking Navy SEAL Tier 1 operator. Yeah, like, she needs to grow a beard or something and get, like, a code. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's funny that all the hunters that take Peter and Miles, like you know, several punches to take out. She just runs around zapping them in the back. Like, just, dude, Peter, just put, like, you know, a stun gun on the end of your glove and just start hitting people with that. That's clearly the way to go. Yeah, Miles needs to, like, uh, charge up his webs with that electricity and maybe it'll have the same effect because Mary Jane's, like, I don't know what's in that taser, but it's powerful stuff. Uh, I guess I guess talking about the Hunters is kind of a quick segue to talk about Craven because we haven't really mentioned him at all. Like, he's half the game, and we haven't mentioned him yet. He's fine compared to Venom. I do think that, number one, Craven having an army of goons feels kind of weird, like, especially because he's just like, go get these things for me, and uh, I'll come in at the last minute and take all the credit. And, like, the fact that he jobs the Sinister Six, like, off screen, like, he kills all of Spider-Man's rogues gallery, and you do- and the only one you see is Scorpion. I was like, okay, he killed Scorpion, whatever. And then you get to another mission, it's like, oh, no, he actually killed, like, Shocker and Vulture. I think it's implied he killed Rhino. It's very one of those, like, you know, show-don't-tell type of, like, we need to establish this guy as a threat, so we'll just have him kill off a bunch of, you know, villains and stuff like that. I guess it's weird because he has these people captured by his people and then his hunters. And then I guess, then okay, now we're going to fight one-on-one. And it's like, why didn't you just hunt them in their natural environment of, you know, like they've already been, like most of them are already in jail. Like how much of a good hunt can that be? Or, you know, why would that be good prey if they've already been captured? Go hunt someone else. Like he should have been, now, now that I think about it, it's probably been too complex, but it would have been interesting if he was also hunting Cletus Cassidy, the guy who ends up being Cletus Cassidy. And maybe he was on the trail of that guy too. And maybe you like see him there or you interact with him during those missions. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it, it would have been cooler. I'm definitely stealing this from somewhere. I don't remember where I heard it, but it would have been cooler if like Craven was stalking you throughout the game. Because originally he's dismissive of Spider-Man, which I don't understand because he's like, I want all these villains, but like who put him away in the first place is Spider-Man. It would be cool if he was stalking you throughout the game and he'd like randomly attack you at some points, kind of like how Man Bat worked in Arkham Knight. Like he would just show up. Yes. Oh, that would have been great. Like, yeah, like Nemesis from Resident Evil 3, just constantly like getting up in your shit. Yeah, that I think that would have made him a much more credible threat instead of just like showing up every cutscene to walk in at the last second and, and stab you. Yeah, and you could have had, I don't know, you could have come up with another villain to have the whole army of and everything and just have Craven like, you know, causing trouble for you while you're doing that. I and you know, like I like those moments where um you come across a crime or something like that and like Miles is there or Peter is there or sometimes I saw, even saw Harry, like they're already fighting the the criminals and you have those little moments where you team up for and everything. Moments like that, but with Craven would be cool, you know? Like where he's like hunting you like or you're you go into there and like he, maybe he's hunting some criminals so you're like oh he's being he's killing these people let me go stop him and then you guys have a little battle and then he runs off and that kind of thing yeah like i know every every game is always just like oh they should have used the nemesis system from shadow of mordor for this but i mean like put more villains in the open you have an open world put more villains in the open world you know i'm of the opinion that craven is a d-tier spider-man villain not just d-tier marvel villain i mean he's d-tier in the spider-man universe because he's never tell me the interesting craven story everyone's just like craven's last hunt that's the only one uh, so he's just never been interesting to me. Even when he showed up in like the cartoon, it was just kind of like, oh god, this fucking. I've never been into him. It's weird that he's having like a cultural moment because they got that Craven movie <laughs> they're gonna come out with. Oh man, we need to. I need to go on like Twitter and like start placing some bets about 
will Madam Web or Craven be the worst box office movie? But Craven, uh, yeah, so I thought the characterization of Craven himself in the game was interesting and good. It was about as good as it can be considering it's Craven. Yeah, it was just kind of like, whatever. It was fine, I guess. I He sucks, but the way they did him in the game was, I guess, was about as good as you can use that character. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we'll move on to Mario Wonder here in a second. But yeah, just to wrap up, like I, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I don't I didn't like it as much as the first when New Game Plus comes out. Like I said, I'm going to play it. But yeah, just it did not quite meet my expectations for a sequel to the first game. Although I did like the Black Cat mission where you're where you're teleporting around New York and the Arctic and stuff. That was cool. That was cool. That was definitely a showcase for the PlayStation uh, hardware there. They wanted to show all that loading stuff off. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was great. It's um, in contention for Game of the Year for me. I don't know if it'll win because the next game we're going to talk about is wonderful. So on that note, we're going to switch over to talking about uh, Mario Wonder, the new 2D platformer for the Nintendo Switch. This is a really good game. Like, you, If you don't think that they uh, still have room for creativity in a 2D Mario game, you are wrong. This game is super creative. Brimming with it. They take ideas that like other games would like, a whole game would be built around this mechanic and they just like, pff, f- fucking 15 seconds on one level one level yeah so kind of the main conceit about this game is that in every level there's a thing called the wonder seed which basically when you grab the wonder seed it completely changes the level you know some levels you'll turn into an enemy and you'll have to play as them like there's one later on in the game where you play as a goomba uh you know sometimes it changes perspectives where like you're walking from a top-down isometric perspective yeah instead of side to side you know the color palette will change some levels turn into a musical it's really creative like there's like one later in the game that i really love where you turn into like electricity and it plays the the metal mario music from mario 64 that was great yeah just all these little like one-off things that just are so inventive and innovative and fun and so fun yeah like it it takes it like most of the level is your normal 2d mario thing right you run from left to right you get your new power-ups which by the way i love the drill power-up i think that's probably my favorite the elephant one's okay the drill is definitely my favorite the drill is good. Uh, the elephant one was my favorite simply because it's just very powerful. Like you can just like go up and thwack enemies with your trunk and just knock them the fuck out. It's also useful for like getting things and breaking blocks and stuff. Yeah, that was huge too. I did I did like the bubble one at first. I was like, what is this? But then like when I realized how useful it could be to like bounce off of the bubbles and hit the enemies from afar and stuff like that. I, I ended up liking that one. So some good power up, new power up additions to the series here. Yeah, for sure. I also like that it was co-op. So I played the ge- the whole game co-op with two friends of mine. Did you play it solo? I played the whole game solo because I don't have any friends. I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't play with me, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, go back and play it like by yourself. Like it's, it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is really good. It's very hectic with multiple people, as you know, previous co-op Mario's, uh, you know, have have uh, illustrated. But like, I played Luigi. My buddy played Mario, and then his wife played as Yoshi. And the Yoshis in this game, unless you fall down a pit, they're invulnerable. Um, so that was handy to have around. And also, they have like an extended jump, so to reach like out of the way areas that we couldn't get to because we destroyed a brick or something, you can jump on Yoshi's back and then jump off them. So it's a good way to get to high places. Yes, I I've dabbled a little bit in the co up uh, just with my daughter she still like has trouble like she can jump she can run running and jumping at the same time still not quite easy for her so we've messed around with that a little bit and it's it is fun but um yeah it is one of those things where the um playing by yourself where you can just sort of focus on getting all of the coin i hundred percent of this game um all the flagpoles all the i did everything except get all the standees because then you just have to grind for the coins the flower coins and that's just busy work i'm not going to do all that um but i got i think most of them so I did that. Did you do all the like the super hard levels and everything like that? 
uh we started doing them but with three people it, it is quite difficult and also you lose you lose lives like you know three times as fast oh yeah exactly that's right yeah i had to um go and use a bunch of flower coins to buy like the 99 lives or the 50 lives thing from that one vendor in the special world because i literally was doing a level in the special world to the end where i died 50 times in a row yeah those levels are ridiculous <laughs> to my daughter was like, oh, daddy, can can I try the level that you said you beat last night? I'm like, honey, you would break your fingers trying to do what I did last night. This is not for the uninitiated. Like, I, I did some shit last night. Like, I was some fucking black magic. So, yeah. So it ends up, it's, it's not a difficult game, but finding all of the little, you know, in each level, uh, all the little hidden gadgets uh the, the flower coins and everything that's where the challenge comes in then when you get to the special world like the real platforming skills the hardcore challenge comes to it and it's fantastic but it it did get really frustrating where on the when i was on the last level where i'd been like this game is so wonderful i love it so much i just want to bask in its glory forever and it became i'm going to launch this fucker into the moon when i am done with it <sighs> Like, it got super hard there at the end. There's, did you do all the, you did all the badge challenge and everything, I'm sure, right? Yes. Oh, I guess we should explain. The other thing that this game does is it has badges that will uh, augment the way you play. So, like, the basic badge you get is you can turn your cap into a parachute. You get other badges like, you know, dolphin swimming and a vine that can grab onto things. So, you know, in addition to the Wonder Seed, there's also badges you can equip that change the way that you play. So, yes, I did do all the badge challenge. Yes. Remember the one where you're invisible? Oh, do I? Okay, so the very, very last section of the very, very last level is you have to bounce on those, like, sort of balloon, floating balloon animal things. I forget what they look like or what they're called. Like hippos, maybe, or something? The ones that, like, are, like, out of a... They come out of a pump. You have to bounce on those while invisible across chasms to get to the flagpole. And just getting to that area was extremely difficult and then you got to the area and you had to figure out how to see yourself because they have clouds and stuff like that so like when you jump the clouds will sort of disappear and that's sort of how you can tell and also if you do the thing where you press the r button and you spin in the air you'll see like a little flash of um like like wind that can sort of tell you where you are so you had to constantly be spinning every time you bounced off one of them to see so you could figure out where to land that was the last toughest challenge of the game and i'm still just kind of like my my hand is like was like a claw when it was done and when i did it i was just like thank god i wasn't even like elated i wasn't like fuck yeah i was just like i'm so happy this is over but like in a great way it's a great game honestly you know some people are saying it's better than super mario world it might be it's too early to make that judgment you got to put some distance and everything but it is easily the best 2d mario since super mario world Oh, easily. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it is a really great game. Like, super super fun, super creative, just a blast. Yeah, great music. The, the new enemies are all really good and memorable. Like, there's some, uh, like, the mummy thing. and uh, the, You have to, like, grab his um, wrappings to, to unwrap him and, like, spin him around and, and defeat him. Yeah, just the whole thing from beginning to end was, like, like within when you got to the, the second or third level where the piranha plants start singing. Okay, you complain about dancing Koopas. Singing piranhas pretty great man come on it is pretty yeah no those are great yeah i have no problem with those so yeah i i loved it it's it might be the game of the year for me honestly it should probably win i saw it was nominated for the video game awards and it should definitely win especially over like alan wake 2 so yeah fantastic game nintendo's done it again Absolutely. So I guess I guess with that out of the way, do you want to talk about this year's uh, fresh asset flip? I mean, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3? Ah, uh, yes. The 
$70 expansion, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Uh, I pre-ordered it um, because I played the beta, and I really enjoyed the beta. I was like, oh, yes, this is good. This is some good Call of Duty. They do this thing now. They've done it the last... Was it last year? And did they do it previously? I don't remember. Because I've... Honestly, I've skipped all the Call of Duties except for the Modern Warfares recently. Um, but if you pre-order the game, they let you have the campaign a week early, which is honestly brilliant because it lets you get that out of the way to get to the multiplayer. The campaign in Call of Duty games typically four, five, six, on the long, long side, eight hours at the most. The absolute tippy-top max. This was about three hours. It's got a lot of levels where they just drop you into an open map and they're like, go to the objective and do the thing. Last Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 had a level like that, but it was very curated and um, really good. You were in stealth and you had like didn't have any weapons and you had to sort of create makeshift weapons from materials you would find in the level until you got a real gun from a, an enemy that you killed. And this one was like, they basically just drop you on a war zone section and just cordon the rest of it off and then tell you to complete the objective. Go, go get the the GPS things, and then go get the files from the dock worker's office. It's this weird stuff where you're also finding <laughs> crates with, like, your load, like loadouts. So, like, you can, like, find whole new loadouts and guns and stuff in the middle of the level instead of just taking a gun from an enemy, which would make more sense. And then if you die, you can change your loadout before you go back into the level. So it's very clearly taken from the war zone and the DMZ sections of the multiplayer and war and the game. That was weird and those levels just weren't that good. There are regular single player curated levels and some of them are really good. There's the typical you're in a drone uh, and you're circling an area and you're providing air cover to the team on the ground and that was a really good one of those. There was a couple there was this ridiculous stealth mission where basically you can just be stealthy in the middle of this army base as long as you didn't get within six feet of somebody. As long as you just walked a little bit of distance away from them, you could get by. And if you got too close to them, they caught you. So, very stupid. No skill there. The story is not anything special. It's It doesn't wrap up in any way at all. It's just literally like, the guy we're chasing, well, we're, we're still chasing him, but one of the main characters died because he died in the last time we had these games when they came out and since these are reboots and remakes, we got to stick. It's another one of those pivot points in history. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert for Modern Warfare 3, soap always dies. Not their best work. And I understand that maybe they didn't have a lot of time to work on it, but still it was it's no excuse. At the end of the day, you're charging people for this. Not a great experience. The multiplayer itself is, I have mixed feelings about it because there are some things I like. It is, it's fun. It's good. It's got the good guns, but they have hidden some of the weapons and kill streaks and perks and things you use to create a loadout behind these things called armory unlocks and what you have to do is complete three daily challenge like depending on which one you and you can choose which one you want to sort of work towards unlocking like if you want to unlock the molotov cocktail complete three daily challenges and you get three new daily challenges a day so that's not that bad some people were really complaining about it but for the most part it's not bad except sometimes it requires you to play in a way that you would not normally play three headshot kills with a pistol well I don't really use a pistol when I go into multiplayer, you know what I mean? So I'm sort of forcing myself to play in a way that I would not at, to the detriment of my team in order to get this point to un to, so I can complete this challenge to unlock this weapon or, or item that I want. The good thing is, once you complete the three challenges, all you have to do, you can, com you can continue getting more points towards unlocking them, and all you have to do is win matches. Every match you win isn't point for unlocking. So once you get past... So basically it's like, play poorly in a little bit of a bullshitty way in a way you don't like, and then you can play the right way and unlock things. 
So that's kind of like annoying. Like there's some days where I'm like, oh, I, I will knock out all three challenges in one match. And then there's some days where um, I'm like, I'm not even going to do that. Like, I don't even want to mess with the sniper rifles. I suck. Did you play the beta at all? No, I haven't even touched it. I was just about to say, so I played I played the first Modern Warfare reboot. This is where I hate the naming convention because it's like, which which Modern Warfare am I talking about? So I played the first Modern Warfare reboot from 2019. I loved it. I thought it was great. I played Modern Warfare 2, thought it was okay, and I have not touched this one. All I've heard is that it is not very good. Yeah, um, the what they've done now is it's much faster. I remember uh, Modern Warfare 2 was a little bit more tactical, a little bit more deliberate in the movement and stuff. And this one, you've got... We've always had the guys hopping the last several years. Like, people like to hop all the time and everything. And they're annoying, and I hate them, and I you know, wish bad things to them and their families. Now everyone slides, because they've made it where you, like, you can slide like a good distance, and also you can shoot while sliding. And also you can do this thing where if you're sliding and you press the jump button, you it's called a slide cancel. So then you're instantly standing up. So you slide, and then you, all of a sudden you're standing, and it's become like a little bit more faster and frenetic and it's not exactly like the kind of call of duty that i like it's not too bad i've gotten used to using it and you know like i can still kill people very regularly i'm usually one of the top players in a match so i'm not doing terribly because of it Uh, i just don't prefer to play that way when it comes to like call of duty it's more like plays more like apex you know where all the sliding and around you know in the apex legends kind of thing but yeah so it's just got that and all the maps are modern warfare 2 maps so they're not really made for that kind of combat they're like big sniper alleys that you're just like sliding and you can't even get to the guy because he's sniping you from afar Um, so the maps are not made for this more modern no pun intended more modern style of of combat of warfare let's say so that's weird you know, it's, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I've already hit the level cap and, you know, when the, the, I think the Warzone, the new Warzone season update with a new map comes out in December and I'll, I'll mess around with that a lot. So I'm having fun with it. I'm having a good time with it, but it is not worthy of the modern warfare prestigious name. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, and one other thing I, I did, I did dabble into the zombies, which I hate the zombies mode, but I was like, I'll try it. You know, it's a new, I always try at least every time, you know, the new thing. And they basically just took the DMZ mode from the previous games and made it zombies. You just go in and there's a you're in a big open world on the map, the Warzone map, and there's a bunch of zombies running around and you complete those like contracts, you know, like get a bounty or do this, go to these three laptops and, you know, download something whatever while there's zombies running around killing you and you have to extract yourself and you can lose your weapons if you die in there and this and that. And you can very easily like kill I don't know. Like one of the daily challenges was kill 250 zombies. You can do that in like 20 minutes. It's not a problem. There's that many zombies running around, but it's just not fun. It's the kind of thing that's like, if you're a fan of DMZ, you won't like it because there's zombies there. And if you're a fan of zombies, you won't like it because it's just DMZ. It's not the zombie lock yourself in a house and try to survive the the waves kind of thing. So it's this like half-assed between the two modes that I don't think would please anybody. So I don't know what they were thinking there. Well, it kind of sounds like the whole game where they just like took two parts that don't really fit together and then just smash them together in in order to get this thing out. Yes, that's exactly what you've summed it up succinctly. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because like I, like I said, I like Modern Warfare 1. I, I played a decent amount of 2 in the Warzone and this one I just have no interest in. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's what happens when you turn around something in a year. Like, you know, the cracks begin to show. Like, the cracks were showing in Modern Warfare 2 already and this just, like, you know, sped up that whole process. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, unless it's Modern Warfare, I just have been ignoring Call of Duty for the past several years. And this time I'm just like, oh, well, I'm not having a bad time with it. I'm Like I said, I'm enjoying myself. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't be playing it every night like I have been since it came out. It could be better, is, let's just say that. 
For sure. I mean, speaking of the cracks beginning to show, uh, we should probably talk about the uh, latest MCU movie, <laughs> which is the Marvels. Um, that came out like a week ago. I mean, I don't think we really need to say much about its critical or box office reception. We both seen it. I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd, which is like, you know, straight down the middle, you know, kind of like I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought some stuff was a lot of fun thought some stuff was not good like when we were halfway through on that planet full of singing people i was like what are we doing here what is going on oh i like the singing people i i did not care for that and then, but then like 20 minutes later you're on the shield spaceship or whatever the organization is called now and the cats are eating people so they can evacuate that was so funny oh i loved it please please do not run please let the flurkins eat you that i was like this is honestly a uh an inspired like little solution to the problem they created. Like this was really good. I'm the same way. It was most, I say out of five, I guess I would give it either two and a half or three. It was fun. It was cute. The performances sort of are what elevated above just sort of standard. Um, the girl who plays Miss Marvel, I haven't seen the show. She was funny. I thought there was just a lot of personality between them all. There was nothing any, I thought the dynamic with them, their powers was really interesting. Like switching Nick Fury was really funny. He sort of has a different personality in these movies than he normally does. He's much more, loose and funny with Captain Marvel. Uh, like when she falls out of the sky and he's like, oh, it's just Carol. She's fine. You know, <laughs> that that really got me. I enjoyed it. It wasn't anything mind-blowing, but it wasn't atrocious or anything like that. It was it was fine. Yeah, I think I think probably my my biggest criticism of the film is, number one, the antagonist is, is like the weakest Marvel villain, you know, by a long mile. And that's a pretty low bar to clear to be the worst villain in a Marvel movie. One of the things I noticed while watching the film is just like they put the thing explaining the villain's backstory in the middle of the movie. I'm like, why didn't you open with Carol going to destroy the Supreme Intelligence to provide context for what the hell is even happening for the first half of this movie? Why is this in the middle? Like that that would have made to me way more sense at the front of the movie. Yeah, like they kept calling her the, what the Annihilator and then you don't find out until why and I guess it's supposed to be like a twist, but like we know she didn't really intend for all that to happen and everything like that. So dovetails into her explanation for why she never came back to Earth and everything, but they could have shown that one bit at the beginning and then have the explanation in the middle and all that and just sort of, "Oh, you see it from this point of view," that kind of thing and it sort of recontextualizes what you saw earlier. Yeah, I, I feel like that, that would have made that, that part of the story a lot stronger, I think. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it would have really helped too much in the end, but it was it was fine. It was it was not a bad time at the movies, you know. It wasn't a great time. It wasn't a bad time. It was fine. The thing is, like, I think it's okay if Marvel has a... I like the brevity. It didn't try to overstay its welcome or anything like that. It breezed along. And I think it's okay if Marvel makes movies like that, but in order to make those movies and make them successful, they have to learn to keep the budgets down because... A movie like this isn't going to make a ton of money. It's not going to, you know, it made a lot less than the original did. And you can't sustain yourself making movies like this and getting these kind of box office returns with the big budgets and everything like that. The fact that this movie apparently cost $250 million to make, like, and that's not even factoring in the marketing costs, which is usually like another $100 million, There's no way this movie is making $350 million. Forget domestically, like worldwide, you know, no chance. No, and, you know, it's funny because, like, after the Endgame you know, when they started focusing again on, like, single characters and new characters like Shang-Chi and stuff like that, you could sort of feel like they know they needed to get back to, like, get back to the basics, you know what I mean? Like, like bring everybody's expectations back down again before they built up to another Avengers. It seemed like audiences really just wanted more Avengers at that point. Like, they wanted all the big team-ups and everything, and they weren't interested in these smaller movies again. And I just don't really know how you solve that problem. Like, I don't know if there is a solution to it, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, my, my buddy Henry, who I went and saw the movie with, he's also the one I played uh, Mario with. He had a he had a good way of phrasing it. He says, like, Marvel is kind of stuck in this, like, post-endgame denouement. Like, they can't seem to get out of it. Everything just feels like a coda right now. Yeah, they, they're not they're not building up to anything. That There's no clear thing that they're building up to. Like, when we... Even with the early Phase 1 movies, it wasn't obvious. Like, the only, re, the only way we knew that it was going towards Thanos is because they mentioned like the infinity stones, right? Or like we knew that that was an infinity stone, that kind of thing. But if you didn't know it, what those things were, it wasn't like, well, they're definitely going towards this here. And this doesn't even have that. Now we know they're heading towards Kang, but there's a lot of movies where it just doesn't feel like, you know, there's any drive towards it. And I think that's honestly like, part of the point i think they sort of want to make movies without always having to feel like it's going to like shang chi i'm thinking of specifically where like in the eternals which i still haven't seen (laughs) i need to watch it one day where like they want to make these movies where it doesn't always feel like it's building towards the next thing but audiences at least i think a certain vocal part of it wants that they want to get to the next big thing quickly and marvel's like can't just jump to it you have to build to it it's this like we i don't know i can't really explain what's going on but it's it's a strange thing it, it feels like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer plays Poochie and, you know, they're they're going through the whole thing of introducing Poochie and at one point Millhouse is like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? It kind of feels like that. Like everyone wants Marvel to get to the fireworks factory, but they got to they got to introduce Poochie, uh, who I guess is Kang in this metaphor. We have to make you care about Poochie. And also when it comes to that, just re- just I've heard like just recast him. Everyone's like, oh, maybe they'll pivot to Dr. Doom or this. Just recast him. Just recast. You recasted Don Cheadle and, and Terrence Howard. People have been recasted before in movies. It's fine. Just do it. You could even just say, oh, in the multiverse, now he looks like this. Because there's the one variant of it that looks like this, and that's what it is. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I saw Loki Season 2. I thought Jonathan Majors did a good job. I have, you know, obviously his legal troubles notwithstanding, you know, at this point, like you said, just just recast him. Yeah, I haven't seen Loki Season 2 yet. I want to watch it. I hear it's good. Just haven't watched it yet. But yeah, I just, just, just cut loose, cut bait. You can still do the same things you were going to do, just with a different guy. And think how much fun it will be when you re-release Quantumania and you've got a new actor, like, digitally imposed over his face. Like, you'll make even more money now. It'll be great. Everyone will come just for the spectacle. Yeah, like when they cut Kevin Spacey out of all the money in the world and replace him with Christopher Plummer or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that was the Marvels. I mean, you know, if you don't run out and see it in the theaters, I don't blame you. But also, I had a good time. Yep, I agree. And uh, I think that's a good place to uh, call the cast for tonight. So, Anthony, thank you again for joining me in the rotating guest chair that never rotates. Yes, always happy to not rotate. Uh, do you want to give out your, your Twitter handle, as is tradition? Yes, uh, that awful site that I'm still a part of. Uh, Edgewalker81 is my handle. Come to, hey, f- follow me uh, for tomorrow for lots of tweets at an AEW pay-per-view. There you go. And uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd. I'm letterboxd.com slash lockerus. Uh, I changed my name because I bought pro on sale. So now I'm one of those guys. All right. Well, Anthony, thanks. Thanks for joining and uh, see you next time. Yes, sir. Yeah.